1: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
2: Hello, my dark valentines. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering in the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Love. Love is a many-splendored thing. All you need is love. Love can be a beautiful thing, or the terrible thing that keeps you awake at night. Be it warm feelings between friends and family, or the burning passion for a romantic partner, love can bring us to our best, or like in today's stories, shine a light on our very worst. First, defying mother at the cost of death. Followed by one woman struggling to keep her sister alive. Then, an ungrateful bride who will suffer her own wrath. Finally, in our featured story, Valentine's Day goes horribly wrong. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it unto our podcast. Along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at snarl.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Love sick. Going against the expectations of family can cause a lot of anxiety and stress. It takes courage to step up and break the mold, but the price to pay may be too high, like in this story inspired by Lily. In the mid 1800s, there was a young maiden named Charlotte who lived and worked on the Mondrick Estate outside of London. The estate included Lord Mondrick, a widower who rarely showed his face, and his son, Sanson, who had just returned from boarding school. Charlotte's parents were groundskeepers, and Charlotte had become a housekeeper, changing linens, sweeping floors, but mostly keeping her head down and doing her work. She was only to speak if spoken to. She followed all of the rules. That is until the day she met Sanson Mondrick. He was good-looking, charming, and a few years older than her. Upon his return home, the two bumped into each other. Their small talk turned somewhat flirtatious, which Charlotte ended at once. She knew speaking with him could have grave consequences. Charlotte tried to stay away, but whenever she had to clean Sanson's room, he would leave love notes in his linens, or roses under his pillows for her to find and she adored all of it. Her feelings grew stronger and stronger for her forbidden love. The town’s rumors were that Sanson was to be married by the end of the year, and he was getting pressure to pick a bride. But his late mother, Lady Mondrick, had one dying wish, and that was for her son to marry someone of title and high society. And she even had a special engagement ring crafted for her future daughter-in-law. Made by prestigious jewelers, the ring itself was priceless. An artifact his mother said was only deserved by a woman of great worth and stature. Charlotte was saddened by all of this, but also understood the world she lived in. However, upon changing Sanson's bedding the next day, she found a note under his pillow. It read, What do you say to forever? She turned around to find him on bended knee with his mother's ring in his hand. She said yes and ran into his arms. They (laughs) laughed and cried, and she slid on the beautiful ring. It was a little tight and made Charlotte feel lightheaded and dizzy, but she chalked it up to the excitement. Charlotte ran to tell her family. They had known Lady Mondrick's wishes, and they were furious. It was not wise to cross her, and Charlotte was considered the help at best. Sanson and Lord Mondrick quarreled for days over the engagement, and the Lord forbid it. But Sanson could be heard shouting that he was going to marry Charlotte no matter what, a sound that echoed throughout the estate and sent a defiant chill through the air. That night, as Charlotte lay awake, she heard a noise coming from outside, She looked out and saw Sanson's shadow. He was waving for her to follow him. She immediately grabbed a lantern and a coat and went to meet him. He kept ahead of her for several minutes, walking with purpose and she could barely keep up. After running through the fields, they approached Dunbury Bridge, a small yet very high bridge that would be romantic if it were not so ominous. Sanson was in the middle of the bridge as Charlotte approached, trying to catch her breath. What are we doing here, my love? She asked as she stepped into his eyeline, shining her light on him. But the light didn't reveal Sanson at all. Instead, the shadow lifted like smoke to reveal the apparition of the late Lady Mondrick. Her eyes were daggers. Her face was enraged. Charlotte dropped the lantern and it broke. The only light was from the moon and Lady Mondrick's piercing eyes. Lady Mondrick spoke in a furious tone. Not my son. Then the lady put her hands on Charlotte and forced her toward the edge of the bridge, trying to push her off. Charlotte fought back. In the middle of the scuffle, Charlotte heard someone in the brush calling her name. It was Sanson, with a lantern running looking for her Charlotte screamed his name he was close enough to see Charlotte staggering alone on the bridge and then suddenly her whole body jerked as if pushed and flew over the edge Charlotte fell below he could hear her body meet the ground Sanson ran to the bridge where she had been standing he looked below to see the love of his life lay lifeless amongst the rocks and the water he felt confused Was the pressure too much for Charlotte and she took her own life, he wondered. Did she really think I would marry another, he asked himself. Samson heard the click of metal on stone as something fell behind him. He turned to see the ring his mother had crafted for his future bride. As tears streamed down his face, the unseen ghost of Lady Mondrick stood next to her son and smiled. Lily, thank you so much for this tragic ghost and horror story. I know that this is our Valentine's Day episode and one would think that the stories that we have might be the antithesis to what Valentine's Day is supposed to stand for, but Charlotte and Sanson did have love. He was going to stand up to his family for her. How about you, listener? How far would you go if you love someone? Siblings are bonded by blood. Whether they like it or not, that is a fact. That bond can be a great blessing. Or, like in this story inspired by Nicole, that bond could be a curse. When Kendra was seven years old, her baby sister Bella was born. She was two months early, small, and frail. So Kendra made it her mission to take care of Bella as much as a seven-year-old could. Kendra felt a strange attachment to her, like she had to protect her at all costs. People referred to them as twin flames, meaning they were one soul split into two bodies, inseparable. Kendra instinctively knew when Bella needed to be fed, changed, and somehow even knew if Bella's feet were cold, as they often were, even if she was in the other room. It felt more than twin flames. More like they had imprinted on one another. Years later, when it was time for Kendra to go to college, she chose a school nearby so that on the weekends she could visit Bella. But whenever Kendra was gone for too long, she would have horrific nightmares that Bella was dying. Then, sure enough, she would get a call that Bella was sick. Sometimes it would be the flu, and other times it would involve a trip to the ER. Yet, as soon as Kendra would arrive, Bella would start to show improvement. It took several of these situations before everyone realized the pattern. There was something Bella needed in Kendra. So Kendra moved back home and took classes online until she graduated, giving up any college experience or social life. And it worked. Although Kendra became increasingly miserable, She was resigned to making Bella breakfast, driving her to and from school, and making sure she had socks on her icy feet. Bella began to flourish. She grew a foot in those two years. She put on weight and even started playing soccer. But Kendra was withdrawing. To everyone, including Kendra, it seemed like her work was done. Bella had blossomed into a beautiful, strong 15-year-old, capable of making her own way in the world, or so everyone thought. After graduation, Kendra moved away for graduate school. At first, she and Bella were FaceTiming every day, but with school taking up Kendra's time, it grew harder to connect. Kendra thought about dropping out, but Bella assured her she had a clean bill of health. Bella could see the stress Kendra was under and recognized all the sacrifices she had made. Kendra was in the middle of fall finals when she started getting a migraine. She could barely see the test in front of her. The throbbing was excruciating. She looked down on her paper and saw blood. Her nose had been bleeding. Just then, her teacher approached and said there was an emergency at home. Kendra knew something had happened to Bella. On the phone with her mother, Kendra received a devastating blow. Bella had died. Apparently, Their mother went to wake Bella up for school, and she was lifeless. The doctor said her heart simply stopped. Kendra jumped on the next flight home. Her parents tried to comfort her, but Kendra went up to Bella's room and laid in the bed where her sister had passed. She began crying so hard she was almost hyperventilating. She cried until she fell asleep from exhaustion. In her sleep, she dreamt of Bella wearing a nightgown and bare feet, reaching out to her. Kendra jolted awake. Kendra's socks and shoes had been removed and her feet were freezing. She went into Bella's drawer and grabbed the fuzzy pink socks she had bought her sister and put them on. Kendra didn't think much of it until it all happened again the next night. She woke in the middle of the night after the same dream and her feet were bare again. Kendra had a bad feeling. On the night before the funeral, she laid in Bella's bed, this time with the pink fuzzy socks on. In this dream, Bella touched Kendra. She woke up and immediately looked down. The socks were gone. She looked on the floor and the blankets under the bed. Nothing. She looked at the dresser, and the top drawer was ajar. She opened it, and there they were. The pink fuzzy socks she had just been wearing... Kendra realized what she had to do. The next morning, Kendra and her family went to the funeral home. When the funeral director stepped away, Kendra lifted up the bottom half of the casket to her parents' surprise, and there, she saw two cold, bare feet. She took out the pink fuzzy socks and put them on her sister, just like she had done a million times before. Then, she closed the lower half of the casket. The funeral director approached Kendra, I heard you two had quite the bond, she said. Through her tears, she stammered. She was my twin flame. She took a beat and then said, Twin flames are when a soul splits into two bodies. What they don't tell you is that for one to burn brightly, the other flame has to go out. It was a hard truth to hear, But in honor of her sister, she decided to live her life every single day to its fullest. And from that day forward, her feet were always warm. Nicole, thank you so much for inspiring this story. A sibling loving another sibling, having that incredible connection with each other. But in this case, such a connection that both couldn't live their own separate lives. Are you connected with your sibling listener? Is it in a good way or a bad way? Maybe something supernatural has happened to your family due to your sibling bond. Tell us your story at something scary at snarled.com.
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well.
2: Love makes you do crazy things But it doesn't entitle you to treat others poorly If you do, be prepared for the blowback Like in this story inspired by Aurelia Macy stood with her mother in the bridal shop She was anxious, waiting to try on her wedding dress for the final fitting Macy had always been impatient and short-tempered even as a young child, and her mother appeased her all through her life. Now was no different, as her mother tried to get the bride to be excited, but that seemed only to make Macy lash out more. The woman was slowly transforming into the ultimate bridezilla right before her mother's eyes. Once again, her mother tried to smooth things over and told her everything would be fine. She should try to calm down. Shut up, mother yelled Macy. Suddenly, a ghostly white gnarled hand shot out and grabbed Macy's wrist. It belonged to an elderly woman with cracked and flaky skin, hunchbacked and stocky with disheveled hair. Her mouth appeared toothless and she looked worked to the bone. Still, she held on tight to the bridezilla's wrist and told Macy that was no way to speak to the woman who raised her. Mind your own business, lady, Macy said as she wrestled her hand from the woman's iron grip. I'm Celeste. Your appointment is with me, her tired, scratchy voice explained. Looking flustered, but with no sign of backing down, Macy went to the fitting room. The fitting continued like the previous part of the day, and Macy was still quick to judge and always spoke with such meanness towards others. Tighter, tighter, she kept insisting. She wanted the bodice so tight that at one point, Celeste pricked her with a pin accidentally, or so it seemed. Are you crazy? Be careful, Macy cried out. Her mother was horrified and shouted at her. The blood rushed to Macy's face. She was embarrassed to be treated like a child, and as she inhaled deeply to yell back, Celeste's black eyes narrowed. With a gummy smile, She appeared to mumble something long under her breath. Before Macy could get a word out, the lights flickered and she began choking uncontrollably. Her cough turned into gagging as a black hairy fly with red eyes flew out of her throat. The mother and daughter shrieked at the sight of it. Unbothered, Celeste croaked. Be nice to your mother. You only get one. I have heard... Witches have special curses for those who dishonor their mothers. Celeste cackled and then added, or so they say. Mortified and a bit scared, Macy stood there shaking. A stillness came over the room. Neither woman dared move as Celeste hummed an ominous tune to herself while working. Before leaving, she issued a final warning. Be kind to those you love, my dear, or suffer a horrible fate. When Macy arrived home, obviously shaken, her fiancé, Vera, noted the marks on her wrist. She told her what had happened, and she reassured her that whatever the future brings, they will face it together. Finally, it was the day of the wedding. Macy stormed into her bridal suite, demanding champagne and and treating her wedding party like some sort of medieval servant. With every demand, her wrist ached more and more, acting as a subtle reminder of Celeste, but Macy did not heed her warning. The pain only enraged her. She made one final rude remark to her mother before descending the candlelit aisle at the top of the stairs. In that moment, the lights flickered, and the bodice of her dress started to... A cold gust of wind carried the tune of Celeste's creepy song and crackly voice singing. Tighter, tighter. Panicking, Macy attempted to pull at the dress. She took a few steps back and the smoky smell of the candles wafted into her nose. Suffocating from the flames, loud cracks were heard as her ribs began to break under the tight squeeze of the corset. Macy lost her footing and rolled down the stairs as flames engulfed her body and thick black smoke filled the air. All anyone could hear was her high-pitched shrieks as her face melted. Vera ran to her, trying to grab hold of Macy, grasping a piece of her melting love's dress. She broke down, shouting, I love you with my heart and soul. You will never be alone. Vera threw herself down the stairs. Each thump was accompanied by the crunching sound of her bones. Their lifeless bodies lay there as their ghosts danced in the intoxicating smoke. Thank you, Aurelia, for such a tragic love story. Have you ever been so in love with someone that you excused all of their bad behavior or you behaved this poorly? Have you ever seen someone else behave this badly and think that you'd want to take revenge? They say the heart wants what the heart wants. However, that shouldn't be an excuse to betray those you love, because it often leads to dangerous consequences. It was Valentine's Day, which meant it was time for the Guatemala City Paper Company's annual employee party. Alejandro had missed last year's party, so when it got late, instead of heading home to his wife and family, he headed to the bar to get himself another drink. There, he saw the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. She also seemed so familiar, but he couldn't remember how or why. I'm Mariana she said as her eyes glimmered. Alejandro couldn't believe his luck. He introduced himself asking if she worked there. No, a friend invited me, she said as she looked at Alejandro's wedding ring. They said this was the place to be. She grabbed the drink out of his hand and began drinking it, never breaking eye contact. Alejandro felt his heart beating loudly. She made him feel like a single man again, and he realized that tonight could be the good time he wanted. Let's get out of here, she murmured. As the two quietly left the party, Alejandro's phone buzzed with a message. He expected a scolding from his wife, Eliza, but instead found a picture of his 10-month-old daughter sleeping. She tuckered herself out, waiting for Papa to come home. Mariana chuckled, filled with guilt, Alejandro looked up at the gorgeous woman and nodded. He sighed, knowing this would be another night cut short by his responsibilities. Unfazed, Mariana smiled and said, it's up to you. I'm sure Elisa will take good care of her while we have fun. Alejandro did not remember giving his wife's name, but that wasn't important right now. Mariana was the kind of woman he deserved, he told himself just for one night at least. He led her to a deserted area along the riverbanks of the Rio Contreras, and Mariana suggested they go for a swim. She removed her clothes and waded into the water. Alejandro scrambled after her, reaching his hand out to caress her back. When she turned around, the beautiful woman melted away. Her face grew long and horse-like, and her eyes became a piercing red. Her hands were now bloody, razor-sharp hooves. Alejandro knew the legends. For centuries, the children of Central America have heard the haunting stories of La Ciguanaba, a supernatural shapeshifter that roams the streets every night looking for prey. She hunts and punishes unfaithful partners, but he had never believed. Through his terror, he sputtered, It can't be. You can't be. Her voice grew coarse and growled. Say my name. He shuddered, refusing at first to admit it to himself. Then he gave in. La Ciguanaba, he cried. You are the dreaded La Ciguanaba. The now grotesque nightmare spoke. I have been waiting a long time to meet you, Alejandro. He stammered and begged. Please... I have a wife and a daughter, a baby.
1: If they truly mattered to you, then you would not be here at my mercy.
2: La Ciguanaba bellowed and then added, But do not worry about them. I will care for what you have cast aside. Alejandro screamed as the shadow of La Ciguanaba fell upon him. That morning... Alejandro's wife, Elisa, was visited by La Ciguanaba, now back in the human form of Mariana. The supernatural shapeshifter hugged Elisa tightly as she caressed her hair and then kissed the baby on the forehead and said, You were right, my sweet Elisa. He wasn't worthy of you. I'll be here as long as you need me. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams...